0: This episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by Shutterstock. Shutterstock is a leading global technology company offering a creative platform for high-quality assets, tools, and services. This company licenses images, video, music, and editorial assets, as well as custom content tailored to a brand's needs. Learn more today at Shutterstock.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention for this? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight...
1: talent and see what we can do with
0: it you're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage dancing on that show for my Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the movie musical shakedown. I am your host, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor in chief of Onstage Blog. Really thrilled that you're joining us this week. We've got a good one, I promise. We're doing 1971's Fiddler on the Roof, one of my favorite musicals of all time, one of my favorite movie musicals of all time, and arguably one of the better ones. I mean, I think that this is definitely in the top fifty. I I might even put it in the top twenty-five to be quite honest with you, but um, absolute classic film came out in 1971. Was made on a nine million dollar budget and grossed over eighty-three million. That was considered a blockbuster back then. So absolutely fantastic film, uh, directed by the great. Really great Norman Jewison, who had directed other films such as, you know, In the uh, Heat of the Night, Moonstruck, the Thomas Crown Affair, Jesus Christ Superstar, just to name a few. Just absolutely fantastic filmmaker, um, on every single level. Incredible, incredible cast, starting with Topol, Norma Crane, Leonard Frey, uh, Molly Peacon and Paul Mann, just to name a few. Again, really, really strong cast nominated for Uh, Several, excuse me, several Academy Awards Won three, including Best Music, Score Adaptation And Best Original Score By Mr. John Williams Who we all know from Star Wars and everything else So, uh, incredible, incredible cast Incredible, incredible movie So, like I said, I don't want to take up too much more of your time I want to just get right into it So we're going to take a quick break When we come back, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest host today Miss Tracy Danoff Who I have been so impressed with what she 's done with her podcast it 's a theater thing which can be heard exclusively right here on the on stage blog network she 's doing some incredible work along with Aaron Carl and some of the guests that they 're bringing on their podcast. So I definitely wanted to have her perspective um, on this one because she loves this film it 's a huge part of her family it 's a huge part of her past and, and childhood. So she's got some pretty good anecdotes that I wanted to make sure that um, you all hear. So I can't wait for you to hear those as well. But like I said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by Tracy. But first, as always, here's the trailer. A Fiddler on the Roof.
1: If I were a rich man, dum All day long I bum If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard You're asking me to marry you. Yes, I am.
0: Bring me a ring, for I'm longing to be The envy of all I see For Papa, make him a scholar For Mama, make him rich as a king
1: When shall we make the wedding? (laughs) Thank you, Papa! What else could I do? Thank you, Papa! You won't be sorry! You won't be sorry! I won't be sorry. I'm sorry already Sunrise sunset
0: Sunrise sunset Swiftly
1: flow the day sea-
0: Now we're back, and I'm now joined by my fabulous, as always, co-host, Mrs. Tracy Danoff. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm great. How are you, Chris?
0: Doing well, doing well. I'm so thrilled to have you on this podcast this week. Having you back, actually, this is like a return engagement for you. It is. I'm so excited
1: to be back.
0: And, you know, today we're talking about one of my personal favorites, if not one of the greatest movie musicals of all time. I don't think it's being, you know, modest in saying that. Mm-hmm. Fiddler on the Roof. I'm really excited about this one.
1: Oh, me too. It it was so great to watch it again. I it's been several years for me. And you know, when you've been away from something, you forget how great it really is.
0: True. I, I had not seen this movie in probably gosh, it it had been at least, you know, five years, definitely before um, I had my son since I last saw this movie. My son's age is a good kind of check mark for <laughs> these things. But um, yeah, no, really, really g- glad to, to be diving back into this one. Interesting, you know, it had an interesting production history, interesting box office. I mean, it, it was definitely a box office smash. It, it was made on a budget of nine million dollars and it grossed eighty three, which you know, for nineteen seventy one, that's a that's a blockbuster rake, so to speak. Um, but Tracy, tell me a little bit about your history. With the musical, with this movie. Tell me everything.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, growing up in a Jewish household, you kind of took this movie for granted. I, at least I did. It, it was just as common to me as a piece of furniture in my home. You just, it was always in my consciousness. And I just remember always being aware of it and having the vinyl album in our home and watching it whenever it came on television and the music has become a real staple not just of my life but also in Jewish culture
0: that's true i mean here's the funny thing like i was at a recent um uh seder d- dinner uh for passover mm-hmm. and like one of the discussions around the dinner table was Fiddler on the Roof, and just like the, the family talking about Fiddler, and um, I think they actually at one point started singing Sunrise, Sunset, which was like, oh my God, <laughs> wow. what is happening here? Um, <laughs> but you're right. I think when, you know, not only in Jewish culture, but I think in pop culture in general, I mean, this movie is so, so impactful. Um, I mean, you can make hand gestures, and people can say, hey, that's Fiddler. You know, it's like, you know, it's yeah. it's incredible of how how deep this, this movie goes. Did you get to see the recent Broadway revival with Danny Burstein?
1: I did. And I know some people didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I did. I really loved it. I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the sort of modern take they had on it at the very beginning and at the end. And I thought Danny Burstein was fabulous.
0: As always, as always, he's always, he's always
1: fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. That's sort of a given, isn't it? (laughs) I I always like
0: to joke that like, you know, it's like, had it not been for Hamilton, that's like a common occurrence for, you know, that, that year, but had it not been Mm -hmm. for Hamilton, uh, he was really my pick for, for best actor uh, for the Tonys that year to finally get a Tony award after his, I think six nominations, which is crazy. But um, yeah, no, what I really liked about what that revival did was they made a choice, you know, they made some bold choices in that. And as opposed to the Alfred Molina uh, revival that I had seen, which kind of was like by the book, so to speak, they didn't really,
1: right.
0: you know, go go out there, so to speak. But, you know, you know, getting it back to the movie, same thing. I liked there were a lot of choices made in this movie that really resonated, that I thought were deep, that were poignant, and uh, really making it just an absolutely phenomenal picture on that end.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's. Just something really, really special about the way the whole movie is presented, and you know, I think a big part of it is due to the the direction. Uh, the big part of it is due to the the casting. It, it's just a really a uh, great movie. Great movie, really,
0: and a fantastic cast too. I mean, you have just an absolutely incredible, incredible uh, cast left and right. Starting off with with the lead. Now, I, I pardon me if I pronounce it. Is it Topol Topol Topol? Thank mm-hmm. you. Okay, like Topal? the toothpaste. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> I didn't yes. think of that. <laughs> didn't even think of that. Um, no, I mean, he he definitely, I mean, is he, is he the definitive Tevya for you?
1: I think he is because, I mean, first of all, the stage show is a bit before my time. Um, so I never did see Zero Mostel. Uh, he, he is the Tevia that I grew up with. So yes, he is the definitive Tevia for me.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, Norma Crane as Goldie and, and everybody from Rosalind Harris and Michelle Marsh and, and Neva Small as the, the daughters um, just, out, just in a lights out cast left and right. And, and I wouldn't say like they're household names of, of actors, but certainly just, you know, just, Delivering on all points throughout this entire film.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's very, very cool to see like a Molly Pecan in the role of Yenta, who yes, yes. was legendary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I was just actually reading today. Someone posted on Facebook about seeing her back in the day as Dolly Levi. And I can only imagine what kind of Dolly Levi she was. Right. She just had so much personality.
0: And she only really did a handful of movies too, so it wasn't like she was known as a, yeah, you know, across the the, the you know, uh, what am I trying to say?
1: Like a mainstream,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like more of a name type of thing, um, where mm-hmm. it was like, oh wow, Molly Peacock, very cool. So, yeah, no, just unbelievable, unbelievable, left and right. What other general thoughts do you have about, about this movie?
1: Oh gosh, I tell you, I just love so much about it. I love the fact that they were so accurate. With so many things, the small traditions and of Jewish life, I love the sense of community that it uh, that it gives off. The people just, you know, you feel that sense of community when you watch this. Right. Um, it, it, there's just so many things. The performances, I, I just love Topol's performance. I really do. And I was doing a little deep dive because <laughs> I really didn't know very much about him. Oh, okay. And Go ahead. And it turns out that when he got that role, he did not speak English. He learned English for that role, which is really really impressive. Yes. (laughs) Yes. He he was doing Tevye in Tel Aviv. And they kind of plucked him out of that production and had him audition. And he had to learn basically by studying the script. He had to learn English.
0: Interesting. I mean that that was one of those like, and you really couldn't tell either. I mean, it just sounded like you just you know was an actor from a different part of the world and you know but knew English, but he he did it very well Mm -hmm. considering he didn't know beforehand. Wow, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, interesting. It's very interesting. Yes, I mean there are a lot of interesting choices in this cast, and uh, actually some people that I who auditioned that I would have never. Put these people in in Fiddler on the Roof.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I I I was about to say, typically I'm the one who does that research, but I actually did not do it for Fiddler on the Roof. So you're going to have to hit me with those casting what ifs later on. We'll we'll get to that because I'm I'm really interested in what you were able to find because I did not get to find anything on that. (laughs) So yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, Moving on, folks, we know that some of these movies, because of the love and affection that we have for them. Um, there are moments in these films that give us some goosebumps, the chills, so to speak, or make the room a little emotional, a little dusty. So I call these dusty room moments. Tracy, let me start with you. Did you have any dusty room moments in Fiddler? Uh,
1: um, I don't know if i say dusty. I mean, I do get the chills every time I hear those first strains of the Fiddler in tradition. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just so beautiful, and I have to tell you, in rewatching this movie, I probably cried about five times. Um, <laughs> just so you know, and that was the first time. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would say that would be like a chill-inducing moment for me. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and and also uh, just um, when everyone leaves Anatagva, that that gets me every time. So, every time. Every time. Every
0: time. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's funny, like, you know, I'm sure just like yourself, watching this at a, di- a different point in your life where maybe you grew up with it. I mean, your perspective really does change to, you know, married life now or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the role of of men and women in the household and and, and children and all this stuff. And it's just for me watching it, you know, even watching like, you know, Sunrise, Sunset and – um uh, gosh, uh, all these, uh, all these songs are kind of coming in like the wedding celebrations and all that stuff. It just, it just changed my perspective Mm -hmm. entirely uh, on this film, uh, so to speak, in a good way, in a very good way, um, on that end. Any other dusty, any other dusty room moments for you?
1: No, I can't think of any. (laughs) I think those are, those are big too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Good. All right. Yes. (laughs) I mean those are big those are big big too as well. Um folks we know that sometimes with these uh with these moments uh with these movies that is not everything ages as well as we'd like and sometimes there are things that are a little more awkward that that perhaps whether it's the you know filming of the time that they filmed it or actually the story itself just you know haven't aged through it well in a 2019
1: lens. Did you find any yeesh moments throughout this movie, Tracy? Well, I will say one thing that didn't age for me personally very well. Was just the way, and and I know this is consistent in every stage production I've ever seen, as well as the movie, is the way Golda is, is portrayed. I feel like they really portray her as a nag, and I feel like it's also sort, sort excuse me, sort of a stereotypical portrayal, which I don't love. I think Norma mm-hmm, Crane was mm-hmm. very good. I. I don't, I don't love her singing voice, which we'll get to a little later. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think she was very good with what she was given to play. I just don't necessarily love that stereotype.
0: I noticed the same thing too, and I know that you, know, especially with the recent Broadway revival. I mean, Jessica tr you know, kind of did a lot of press talking about how they were going to do. Goldie, different, and, and things like that, and it still felt kind of the same yes. um, as, it, as it's been done many times before.
1: I agree with you. So
0: maybe it's it's. I think it's just the way the part's been, you know, written. I think there are just some roles like out there that will always just be kind of come off like that. I think Audrey and Little Shop's another one. Like you, you just you can do all you want with her, but at you know at the end of the day, it's still going to be the kind of the same old character that, right? You know, <laughs> not too crazy, right? But not not portrayed well. It doesn't. Doesn't do really well. Yeah, I, I, I really. Other than that, I really didn't find any like yeesh moments throughout the piece. Um, that I, w- I felt really uncomfortable with. I think you know f- for the stuff that felt like traditionalist and 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 too conservative, I mean, that was just that's part of the story. That's the time yes. it takes place. in. so, um, other than that, yeah, nothing, nothing there. Folks, we know that sometimes with these movies, not every. Mystery is solved, not every question is answered, so I like to call these lingering questions, where, you know, some things just don't make a lot of sense to us, and we just have to ask a little bit more. Tracy, did you have any lingering questions with Fiddler on the roof?
1: Oh, yes. I would love to know what happened to the girls. I would love to know if the sisters actually ever reunite.: Yeah, and if the, actually the whole family ever reunites in the US. But I think at that point in time it was pretty doubtful.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it was one of those things where, like, I as I watched the end of this movie, I thought I thought to myself, "Okay, this is you know very sad ending to the film," and then I thought to myself, "Where they are in history?" and I'm like, "It gets even worse." And one can only hope, I guess you could say that that family made it to America and got out of Europe and things like that. But sadly, we just don't know. And and I think that. To, to an extent, I think that's a good thing that we don't know, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you kind of I like a positive resolution like anybody else yes. you know like <laughs> it's just one of those things
1: yes <laughs>
0: um I, I i guess for me, like the only question I really like lingering question I had was, i mean it's just it just seemed like at this time, you know your your daughter's going off and getting married and starting families like that was the thing that they were supposed to do at that time, so to see that there was that much. I don't know. I don't know if I would call it resistance, but I mean hesitation on the part of Tevye, Um, for them to go out and do that. I was just like, oh, it's like, is that is that the thing there? Like that's not that part of the culture. Like they're supposed to go. Out. It was just it just kept like every single one of them was just like, there's this obstacle, this obstacle, and I'm just like, yeah, but they just like that's what they do. So I don't know. That was just that just seemed weird to me.
1: Mm, I, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But but you could also think he lived a certain lifestyle for so long that it was change was very hard for him mm. i think yeah yeah
0: that's a good point too it's a very good point um all right so before we move on to rating our singing and dancing let's let's do some some casting what ifs if you will okay. so tracy you did some research i did hit me please i i cannot wait to hear what you said
1: okay well would you believe me? <laughs> you may not believe me on this one. <laughs> if I right. told you that Frank Sinatra wanted to play Tevya,
0: no, yes, he wow. did.
1: <laughs> they <Wow>. dismissed that,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I dismissed that pretty quickly as well. Um, wow, <laughs> that would have been, I mean, that that seemed to be a common theme, by the way, that Frank Sinatra keeps popping up as a contender in all these movie musicals like Carousel and all these other things and he didn't get the mm-hmm. roles. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's you know, a positive thing. Yeah. It's certainly a positive thing here.
1: Absolutely. I, I think so too. I can't picture him as a Tavia. Um. No. <laughs> but who do you think they originally wanted for this role? It was not Zero Mostel.
0: I was about to say, I don't think it was because legend has it, I believe I read that like they didn't like Zero Mostel or something like that um, because he was very... Ornery at the time. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I don't know who gosh, I'm trying to think of the time. Yeah, I, I don't know.
1: They wanted Danny Kay. Stop it. It's another person I can't picture in that role. Um and his wife wouldn't let him do it. Really? Yeah. She said he was too young to play a father of grown children. <laughs> <laughs> I guess she was looking out for his image.
0: <laughs> I guessed. Yeah, that's ridiculous.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> so, they also had some ideas about Golda. Uh, they really, well, Norman Jewison, the director, Really wanted Anne Bancroft. Wow. Yeah. Looking at Norma Crane, I can sort of... I mean, she, actually, when I watch Norma Crane, she reminds me of Anne Bancroft. So I can see why they picked her.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. I think it's a, it would have been an interesting choice.
1: Yes. But you'll never guess what theatrical luminaries were up for the role. Who? Okay. Hold on to your hat. Colleen Dewhurst. Wow. Yes. Zoe Caldwell, <laughs> Dorothy Dorothy Loudon, <laughs> Dorothy Loudon, Marion Celdez and Beverly Sills. Wow. Well, I mean, it's isn't that crazy? It came down to Lee Grant and Norma Crane and Norma Crane got it
0: and lee grant was the finalist wow you know i would imagine i could definitely picture like miriam seldes like being in the finalist for that because i think she would just would have been amazing Mm -hmm. because she's amazing and everything but wow that is a that is an interesting row of actresses to be you know consider for this role
1: Mm -hmm. i also think dorothy Loudon probably could have done it justice
0: definitely definitely
1: yes now for perchick They were considering, well, actually, I don't know if they were considering him. He read for the role and didn't get it, but this is probably one of the biggest names you can think of. Okay. Big big movie actor.
0: Big movie actor. Big movie actor. I'm going to guess, trying to think of the time. um, Gosh, I can, uh, would it be like a Dustin Hoffman type? Would that be too early for that?
1: Uh,
0: No, but
1: uh, in the same era, I guess. Robert Redford? No,
0: I have no idea then.
1: Robert De Niro, really? Yes,
0: <laughs> okay, I can see that. Crazy, I mean, at the time he was doing a lot of those type of like you know, character type of roles, whether it's like you know, past godfather and things like that. So, I mean, I it maybe <laughs> you could talk me into it, I'll put it that way. <laughs>
1: Okay. I, I'm just wondering if he can sing. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him sing in any role I've seen him in. Um, now, finally, uh, this is also an interesting one. For model, the, ta- the tailor, Richard Dreyfus, who I could see doing that. Definitely. Rob Reiner is another one I could see doing that. And this one came out of left field. John Ritter. Really? Yes. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I
0: almost, I would have liked that to be quite honest. With you. I mean, John Ritter was a man of many talents, mm-hmm. and to see him in this, that might have made sense to me.
1: I think he probably would have done very well. I could see that he's he's certainly very appealing. So I could see yeah. him playing sort of a nebbishy type of role with with sort of a little spark to him
0: (laughs) (laughs) actually speaking of John Ritter we might have to at some point down the road break the movie musical role so to speak and do a a breakdown of noises off the film because he is just absolutely incredible in that movie version of the play so um we might have to do that down the road because I love me some John Ritter
1: oh me too he was so great um so for those of you who may not know leonard Frey got the role of model and he was actually in the broadway production but he at the time he was playing a lot of minor roles in the show he didn't have a featured role so uh and he ended up getting a tony no- i mean excuse me <laughs> Tonys. so uh, we're, we're we're recording this the day before the tony nomination announcement so that's why it's on my <laughs> tony brain, on the brain. Uh, yes uh he got an oscar nomination <laughs>
0: incredible incredible yeah no this movie gotten a lot of oscar nominations um sally did not win i think the ones that it deserved if that makes sense I, it really it was a it was a tough year mm-hmm. uh, nomination wise it was up against i believe it was the french connection that year which took everything um it had some really really great performance in there Uh, did win for best cinematography because the film is absolutely gorgeous sound and and the music score, which I had no idea was done, uh, by John Williams, which I was surprised to find out.
1: I didn't realize that until I rewatched the movie the other day. That was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, good. Those were some good casting choices. Uh, Tracy, that was some really good research. (laughs) That, that amazes me. That amazes me. Oh my gosh. Well, folks, we like to do on this podcast is, of course, you know, with all these movie musicals, you need to have some really key elements just, you know, doing some amazing things to really true, truly be a great movie musical. That, of course, is the singing, the dancing, the acting, and design. So what we like to do on this podcast is go through each and just read it, you know, one through 10, how we felt, um, and then, you know, give some reasons why. So Tracy, I'm going to start with you. Singing for Fiddler on the Roof, one through 10. How did you feel about it and why?
1: I gave it a nine. Nice. Yes. I thought it was wonderful for the most part. I didn't love Norma Crane's voice. I mean, it's a very character-driven voice, but also uh, in, in the course of my research, I read that she wasn't well at that time. So it's possible that that could have contributed to it. Uh, she kept it a secret. She had breast cancer and kept it a secret and only the director and Topol knew about it. So yeah. So it's possible that that was the reason, but that her performance is, I mean, I think her acting is lovely. I don't think that her singing voice is that lovely.
0: (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. You know, I was right there with you. I I, I gave it like, I think I, I wrote down 7.5, Seven seven point five. But of course, I can't give it decimal, so I'm going to round. I'm going to round down actually, and give it a seven as well. I think what I liked about this film was the voices were authentic. They didn't sound, um, you know, dubbed or you know, like okay that that person is not that voice and things like that. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't blow me away vocally.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I didn't appreciate Topol's voice until watching it this last time. I think I just took it at face value before because I'm so used to all the music. Sure. And this time I, I it really kind of hit me like, oh, this, this man has some real talent here.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. How about the dancing in this film? Not I mean, not a lot of dancing. There's iconic dancing, if you will, but mm-hmm. um not not you, yes. you don't get those like Michael Kidd, you know, <laughs> large uh dancing ensemble, so to speak. So how did you feel about the dancing with Filler on the Roof?
1: I enjoyed it. I gave that a nine as well.
0: Me too. Yeah. No, there's some really just yeah, the, the numbers yeah. that were in there, I thought were great. Um, obviously, like the whole wedding sequence is just incredible. Um, yeah. And, you know, whether it's on stage or on screen. How how did you feel about some of the other dance numbers in this?
1: I enjoyed them. I thought um, that the to life uh, portion of the movie is really, really yes. Fun And of course, if I were a rich man, I mean, that iconic, like shaking of the, <laughs> of the upper torso, <laughs> I never get tired of that.
0: <laughs> never, never. And that's like, again, like if I was to walk down the street of, you know, New York and just did that walking down without saying a word, people would know exactly what I'm doing. Cause that's just, it's just ingrained in, in our memories. Yes. So that's, that's awesome. All right. So Tracy, <laughs> how about the acting in this film? How did you, what'd you give the acting and why?
1: I gave the acting a 10. I really thought everyone was so good and so authentic. And uh, you know, getting back to Molly pecan I mean, I knew women like that growing up. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a reason that they named that character Yenta. <laughs> and and I and really it was just such an authentic authentic performance. Oh, I'm so sorry. Is such an authentic performance. I just um absolutely love her in this. I mean and I think everyone down to the daughters, even the little ones, uh, you know, there's I I think I noticed that the children, maybe one of the children, uh, had one line. Mm. <laughs> and even that worked. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Yeah, no, I think so. I, yeah. I
1: think they were all great.
0: I think you're 100% right. I think this, of, of all the the four categories, I think the acting is, is definitely the strongest of all of this. And I, I, I this might be, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, blasphemous to say on this podcast, but I almost feel like you could take the musical out of this movie and it still would be just as compelling.
1: I agree with you. I do, yes, because
0: <laughs> I mean, I might, I might get you know tomatoes thrown at me for saying that, no, but I don't know. I think,
1: I think it's a really compelling story, especially considering the time that we're living in right now. So, um, you know, we may not have the same traditions, but unfortunately, some of the same issues are still around as far as the way people get along and the way people treat each other. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Definitely. All right. How about design? What did you think about the design of this film overall? Costumes, lighting, set—the whole nine yards.
1: Very good. Uh, I felt like it was very authentic. I mean, I wasn't around back then, <laughs> but <laughs> but just but just the little touches, you know, uh, the mezuzahs on the door and uh, the candlesticks and the lace shawl. Um, I, I mean, all of those things really add to the authenticity of the piece
0: definitely definitely i mean it did get an, an oscar nomination for art direction and um you, you can see why i mean from the you know the the actual design itself and to your to your comment about the mizizas and the details the set decoration this is actually back when they actually listed set decoration as a credit with the art direction so it actually got nominated you know the, the set decoration was included in all of that so um you know you're you're 100% right the look of this film just very, very authentic, e- having not lived during that period, but um yeah, no, truly, truly it looked looked fantastic, mm-hmm. so absolutely, um all right, well, moving on, so folks, we'd like to know that you know with these movie musicals, you know there's a lot of beloved numbers, and sometimes there's numbers that we don't love, so I call this section numbers that we needed numbers that we could do without and you know, Tracy, if you've only got five minutes to watch this movie, what are you going to fast forward to, so to speak? So let's start with numbers that we needed now. I did some research here. I didn't see that they had cut any um songs from the stage show to the movie i did I know they changed some some plot things around, but I couldn't find any musical numbers. did you find it you didn't say find any musical numbers that they cut did you
1: no i I think that they used everything.
0: Which is a good thing. That's awesome. So there you go. Yeah. So that that's yeah. not applicable then. So how about how about numbers that you would cut? Would you cut anything out of this film?
1: Yes. <laughs> I would. <laughs> um it's a long film. <laughs> For those of you who haven't it seen is, it. So it's like
0: I think it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. At least yeah, yeah. something
1: I think it's actually more like three. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I think you're yeah, right. Like yeah, three twenty right. or something. Um I would cut Miracle of Miracles. I've never, yeah, I've never loved that song to be honest. And I feel like the way that was filmed, that whole scene just felt very abbreviated. I didn't feel like there was a need. We already knew they were happy, they were going to be together, and I don't feel like the song actually added anything to that plot point.
0: You know, I think you are one hundred percent right. And originally, I actually, I actually had um, "Do You Love Me." Markdown as the uh, one, because I thought that that was like, do you, do you need a song there or could you have just achieved the same thing through dialogue? And that was the one mm-hmm. co- the consistent, but I thought I thought to myself, well, that's really kind of like an iconic number at the show. And then I started going down and looking at the rest of the list and I was like, no, no, you can't cut Matchmaker, Matchmaker, you can't do it to life. <laughs> if I was a rich man, Sunrise Sun, I was like, yeah, so Miracle of Miracle seems to be a good choice. Um, <laughs> again, I think to your point, I mean- in the same regard, I had, you know, Do You Love Me? It's it's again a scene where, yeah, I don't think you really need a song there, so to speak, to display what what is saying in that in that situation. But um, yeah, interesting, interesting choices around. Mm-hmm. How about if you've got five minutes to watch this movie, Tracy, what are you gonna fast forward to?
1: Oh, well, I think it's a toss-up between Sabbath prayer, because it brings up a lot of memories of my grandparents. Mm. And uh, if I were a rich man, because I just find that such an engaging scene, I just love his enthusiasm, and I love the way Topol sings it. It's just for me a go-to. It's
0: a good point. That's a good point. I, I actually had the same pick. I picked "If I Were a Rich Man" because again, it's just it's an iconic song. There's something about listening to that song that just brings back you know, my memories of, of learning about musical theater and things like that in the first place. And just, you know, it's just it's just one of those numbers that just is in that lexicon of just great moments in, in movie musical history. So yeah, why not? Why not go straight for the, the most iconic <laughs> song?
1: For the classic. Yes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So folks, we have some pretty prestigious awards on this podcast to hand out. Uh, the first is the Julie Award, which is given to who we feel is the best singer in the film on the flip side we also have the russell crowe award which is given to who we feel is the least great singer in this film sometimes just downright horrible and finally there's the bumlet award which is given to the best ensemble background performer who really just grabs your focus in every single scene so tracy i'm going to start with you who gets your julie award for fiddler on the roof
1: Okay, I don't know this actor's name, and I feel terrible about that, but he plays one of the Russians in the inn who uh, sings a solo into life. He's got this beautiful tenor voice. He's blonde with a mustache. Oh, and yeah. It's, yeah, and it's just a lovely contrast to the rest of the singing. It just He, he just sounds so clear and so beautiful.
0: This was tough for me. I, I, I ended up giving it to Topol because – it just—I don't know. There's something, even that—that that it's not like a breathtakingly wonderful voice, but there's just something—I don't know what's the word—comforting, uh, natural, like authentic. I just—I just love when he sings in this movie. It's—it's it's a weird thing for me, so I—I I I it to Tobol on that one as well. How about your your Russell Crowe award on that end?
1: Oh, I have to go back to Norma Crane. I hate to say it, uh, but I just don't think she sounded very good. Yeah.
0: Just, just not a singer, not a singer, no. and, and uh, I felt the same. Yeah, she, she was an easy pick for me, easy pick. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, how about your Bumblin' Award?
1: Well, again, I don't know the name of the actor, but uh, the gentleman who played the beggar, I, I feel like he was used in such an effective way. You know, there's that scene where it's right before the Sabbath and Tevye is going to make the last of his milk deliveries and all the men are crowded around him and he's giving out milk. And the the beggar is there with his cup and... Is asking for milk, and Tevya was Tevya's like, "Oh, of course, of course." I'm so sorry, and to me, that just tells us so much about Tevya and what his character is. Mm. Not that he would feel, you know, annoyed that he was giving out milk for free. For him, it's a, a blessing.
0: I like that pick. That's a good pick. I actually, thank you. <laughs> I, I I had a couple nominees, but you know, I actually settled, of course, on the the wedding dancers. I mean, again, it's just it's such a that bottle dance is so cool, and I've seen it done so many different times with using so many different techniques. Um, it just it never ceases to impress me. So it's just it's one of those moments that I just love, love seeing. I love it so much that when they spoiler alerts uh, spoofed it in spam a lot. I even got just as excited and, and uh, loved it. Did you
1: see that part in Spamalot? I did, and I have to admit, I love that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do the it's same, it's awesome. the same thing. It's 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 like literally the same choreography, just putting goblets on their head, and it's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, no, uh, unbelievable on that end as well. Final question for you, Tracy, and this this is a this is a daunting question. Should this get a remake?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't know that it could do, anyone could really? do it justice. Yeah, yeah I, I don't. That's true. Yeah, right. I don't really love this. You know, new trend. I guess it's not necessarily a new trend, but I don't love this trend of doing these remakes. Um, I think it depends on the type of film that you're remaking. Like for instance, this live action Lion King looks really fun and really interesting, but it's a completely different right. medium. With this, I just don't see how they could, A, replace this cast and B, recapture the magic of the movie. And to be honest, I'm not sure that modern audiences would get it as much as audiences back then.
0: That's a good point. Yeah, no, I, it's – I don't know. It's weird. It's like this this movie is nominated for Best Picture, and I feel like if you achieve that, so to speak – You're kind of untouchable at that point in terms of remakes, and you know. But now that they're doing a remake of West Side Story, it's like has that basically opened the floodgates to now remake every movie musical from the past. And I think there are certain things that you could certainly improve upon from the original film. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't. I just there's there's something magical about this film, and that's so just beloved by by many cultures, not just the Jewish culture, obviously, but. Mm You know, it, it's just. I think it's just. It's it really, truly is an untouchable film, and I would hate it if they uh, re- decided to remake yeah. it.
1: Yeah. You know? And and the only way it would be acceptable to me is if they cast Danny Burstein.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> then maybe I could handle it.
0: And then maybe you can get an Oscar instead of like a Tony, and I'd be fine with that. You know, it's like give somebody give the Tony. Yes. <laughs> Please, <laughs> well, Tracy. <laughs> I mean, it's about freaking time. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh, it's about freaking time. And who knows? Maybe, maybe it'll happen next year with Moulin Rouge. We'll, we'll see.
1: Yes, that would be great.
0: Absolutely, Tracy. Thank you so much for for joining me on this podcast. Do you have anything you like to plug? Anything coming up that soon that the we want our listeners to know about?
1: Oh well, if you guys are watching Fossey Verdon, make sure that you download our Fossey Verdon recap. Um, myself and Aaron Carl. We discuss each episode and we have a pretty fun time doing it. We kind of get into some of the history and um, it's just, you know, we're really enjoying the heck out of this show and really enjoy breaking it down. And also you can catch, it's a, Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> that's a problem with living in the suburbs. You hear like cars and, you know, um, <laughs> cars
0: and dogs and, and things like that. Yep.
1: Yes. My theater dogs that like to make little appearances once in a while. Um, <laughs> but we also have our regular episodes of It's a Theater Thing, and we discuss anything that the theater fans want to talk about. So if you guys are interested in bringing up a subject or if you even want to be on the show, just send us a an email at theaterthing at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And folks, if you haven't listened to either it's a, Th- a theater thing or the Fosse Verdon special episodes, please get on that immediately. Tracy and Aaron um, and the guest uh, Sammy last week, just do an incredible job breaking things down. And and really it is like you say on the podcast, it is a theater podcast for theater people by theater people. And for those of you who love just all things theater, um, you will, will love every single thing about this podcast. And and Tracy doesn't notice, I've actually gotten a lot of positive feedback about this show from a lot of people that listen to it. So you guys are doing a, a great, great job. Keep it up.
1: Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Uh go ahead. were you're about to say something.
1: Oh no, I said we're we're excited to be doing it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us this week. Next week, um, I don't know which movie we're gonna be doing yet, but it's it's gonna be a big one. It's time to really start, you know, cranking on the the Mount Rushmore of a movie musical, so to speak. So we're gonna be doing a big one. I promise you that. Um I, you know, other than fiddler on the roof, I guess you could say we we started that list already uh, with this one. But uh, yeah, we're going to do some of the the more the more classic, so to speak, coming up as well. But as always, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me again. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed being here.
0: All right, we'll see you folks next week. Bye bye.